Listener Production. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hunk Science Explained, a weekly podcast brought to you by Listener and Cosmos. Today you've got me, Emma Perfetto, unpacking the growing global issue of antibiotic resistance. In 2021, the World Health Organization declared that antimicrobial resistance is one of the top 10 global health threats currently facing humanity. It occurs when microbes develop the ability to resist the drugs designed to kill them. Antibiotic resistance is a subset of antimicrobial resistance, when bacteria that affect our health are no longer controlled by the tool we use to protect ourselves from them. A 2022 study in the highly respected journal The Lancet estimated that in 2019, antibiotic resistance played a part in 4.95 million deaths globally. Of those, they estimate that 1.27 million deaths were the direct result of antibiotic resistance. If this trend continues, estimates suggest that the death toll could reach 10 million per year by 2050. To put that into perspective, about 8 million people die from cancer annually. So, how does antibiotic resistance work? Bacteria evolve mechanisms that protect them from antibiotics in two ways. The first is through random genetic mutation, and the second is by acquiring resistance from another cell. This occurs when the two share their genetic material in a process known as horizontal gene transfer. The problem is that the use of antibiotics encourages selection for resistance mutations in bacteria. When we take an antibiotic, it causes vulnerable bacteria to die, but those that survive are better able to resist and survive that drug. They can then go on to replicate unhindered. This means that resistant bacteria become more prevalent and can transfer these resistance genes to other strains. In a world in which international travel is commonplace, when antibiotic resistance emerges in one part of the planet, it can then easily go global. But we're also part of the problem. One of the biggest issues is the overprescription of antibiotics for illnesses that aren't caused by bacteria, like viral infections and common colds. When we take antibiotics in these cases, we're selecting for resistant bacteria, but having no effect on the illness we've got. The misuse of antibiotics is also a concern. We've all had the experience of feeling better before the antibiotic course is finished or forgetting to take the pills at the right time. But even if we feel better, the infection isn't necessarily gone. So in doing this, we're actually helping the strongest strains of bacteria to survive. The agriculture sector is also contributing. Some countries allow antibiotics to be used in livestock for growth promotion and to prevent disease in already healthy animals. According to a 2018 study published in the journal PNAS, the biomass of livestock is about six times the biomass of humans, so new resistance mutations are more likely to arise in animals. The use and regulation of antibiotics in agriculture differs from country to country. Antibiotic feed is banned in the European Union, and Australia has one of the most conservative approaches in the world to the use of antimicrobials in food-producing animals. So do bacteria only become resistant to one type of antibiotic? Sadly, no. There are bacteria that are only resistant to one of the antibiotics used to treat them, 
but we also have to contend with the emergence of multidrug-resistant strains known as superbugs. Superbugs threaten our ability to treat the common infectious diseases and a growing list of infections such as pneumonia, tuberculosis and foodborne diseases are becoming harder and sometimes impossible to treat with antibiotics. There are fourth-line antibiotics, sometimes known as a drug of last resort, that can be used after all the other options have failed. Given that resistance emerges after a new antibiotic is introduced, these bacteria-busting weapons need to be held in reserve for as long as possible. The methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus, also known as Golden Staph, or its acronym MRSA, is one of these super-superbugs. MRSA has developed or acquired a multiple drug resistance to beta-lactam antibiotics, a common, broad-spectrum antibiotic group which also includes penicillin and amoxicillin. MRSA caused more than 100,000 deaths in 2019. Though it started off as a hospital-acquired infection, MRSA has since become infectious in the community and amongst livestock. Serious MRSA infections can be treated with vancomycin, a drug of last resort. So why don't we just make more antibiotics? The first antibiotic, penicillin, was discovered in 1928 by Alexander Fleming, a professor of bacteriology at St Mary's Hospital in London, largely by accident. Returning from a holiday, Fleming noticed that a fungus, Penicillium rubens, had contaminated a culture plate of Staphylococcus aureus bacteria that he had accidentally left uncovered. Wherever it grew on the plate, the fungus left bacteria-free zones due to the production of the antibiotic penicillin. But his work wasn't initially recognised as important, and it wasn't until the 1940s that penicillin finally became widely available. Most of the antibiotic medicines we use today are derived from natural antibiotics produced by microbes in the soil, which attack rival microbes as a part of a miniature war over precious resources. The majority were identified during the Golden Age of antibiotic discovery, which lasted from the 1930s to the 1960s. New antibiotic classes were being discovered on almost a yearly basis, Since the 1980s, no new classes of antibiotics have been discovered, and new drugs are just variations on ones we've already discovered. Developing and bringing to market new antibiotics is really difficult. It's a time-consuming and hugely expensive process that often just ends up failing. It can take 10 to 15 years and over a billion dollars to develop a new antibiotic which should then be used as sparingly as possible to limit the resistance developed to it. This limits the financial incentives associated with developing them, and as a result, there are only a handful of pharmaceutical companies committed to this research. This all sounds like we're doomed, so is there anything we can do about it? Medical researchers are pursuing a range of approaches, Some are looking for new antibiotics or enhanced versions of the ones we already have in use. Others are combing through the research literature to find older antibiotics that were overlooked during the Golden Age. According to the World Health Organization, there are currently 43 antibiotics and 27 non-traditional antibacterial agents in the clinical pipeline. 
non-traditional antibacterial agents being researched include using bacteriophage, viruses that target bacteria by injecting viral components into the bacterium to kill it. In 2021, research from Australia's Monash University showed that phages attacking Acinetobacter belmani bacteria caused it to mutate in defence, reversing its resistance to an antibiotic in the process. Another avenue lies in improving diagnostics in order to react faster to an infection, understand its resistance profile better, and target it more effectively. A 2022 study from Norwegian scientists showed that a device from Oxford Nanopore Technology could be used to identify bacteria and detect antibiotic resistance genes directly from blood cultures. Lastly, we can all make sure to take our antibiotics only as prescribed by healthcare professionals. Let's not contribute further to the problem if we can help it. Alrighty, thanks for listening to me talk about antibiotic resistance. We'll be back soon with even more weird and wacky answers to life's questions. But in the meantime, you can head to cosmosmagazine.com for more science just like this. Otherwise, we'll be back again next week for another Huh? Science Explained. <laughs>